Are you going to be buried with your pompadour? Have you thought about that? <laughs> have not thought about it. All right. It's important for brand. I mean, when the friends of Mike Lee, when he passed away, and you don't think we're going to keep the service going? I'm hoping. <laughs> we, like, we uncovered, like, uh, in your safe, there was, like, these books of how you did everything, and... And I improved it real quick over the weekend, and here we well, go. Well, that certainly is true. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm thinking selfishly about my son, you know, and it's like I've got the hidden secrets I'll of give, Steve I'll, Fezzik that Yeah, I think what know. I'll do is uh, I'll make him sign away all his rights to anything he might have rights and give him like 5000 bucks, And he'll be, oh, $5,000. It's 5000 more than he was going to get. Exactly. Net win. And let's be candid. He's probably going to get – he's going to be the smart guy gets took. And then, oh, yeah. then he gets smart enough or he gets successful enough, he can get took and it's just round, you know, he's making in today's dollars, let's say. And this is, if you're a smart kid and you're diligent, like really smart, yeah, you're going to make your 240, you know, unless you really screw up. That's a lot of money. But again, you're talking, you know, maybe one out of a thousand intelligence. But no, he's not going to have a lot of street sense. Oh, absolutely not. Do you ever think of maybe. And dropping him off down on DI in, let's say, Maryland. Because that's, that's not a bad area. That's like the fringe of the um, university district. You know, it's a couple blocks from UNLV. You know. Normal. My son is such a cupcake, RJ. Literally, poolside, he'll say, Daddy, is that a wasp? And he'll be, like, concerned. Like, he, he loves the pool. Like, he wants to get out of the pool. I finally, I picked him up and threw him on top of a wasp. I'm like, come on, Johnny. In the pool. You threw your boy on top of a stinging insect? Yeah, on the surface of the water. I figured it was. You do realize that was a horrible thing to do. Well, it wasn't. No, like... no, I'm not saying horrible, like, ethically. I'm saying that's what he's going to remember. You know, think back to your childhood. And think back pre-age 10. I, most people only remember less than 10 things. Like, what do you remember clearly before the age of 10? Going to see the Reds in the World Series. So there was, that's interesting, right? It's a specific game, right? One game. And I'm guessing you can tell me, like, something your dad even wore, right? Yeah. What did he wear? He wore Cincinnati Reds jacket. Yeah, but you yeah. can remember seeing it, right? Yeah. In your mind, I'm saying. Because I reinforced it after we went year after year after year, so it stayed in my memory. Right. Well, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, not a neur- I'm not a neurologist, right? I'm just saying I know people. You remember that. All right, give me something else. My dad took me to a chess tournament when I was six. See? And it's, think about it. It's the je- and that's why, to me, as a non-parent, it's always interesting how in the prior generations— it was these special times, and they meant something. Now the parents are there every second. I, I, do they remember? I know they won't remember all of it, so do they remember none of it? And then they say, wouldn't it be funny? It's like 30 years from now. It's like, what do you remember? Well, my seventh volleyball game in my uh, second grade year, my dad actually broke his ankle on the way, and he wasn't there. He wasn't there for the entire He called at halftime to make sure I was okay. I mean, is that going to be the memory that the one game he wasn't there? Mm. I don't know. But all joking aside, and this sounds like, and people rebel against this because it sounds like it's liberal and some people hate liberal. But when you have a loving parent, which you obviously are, and 
you try to be tolerant and you don't have your normal, like, come on, man. Come on, kid. It's pretty stupid. So you're trying to be perfect. Then you blow. And when you blow, you do something that feels like, because if someone said, you know what I bet Steve did this summer is take his son who is deathly afraid of wasps and physically picked them up and dropped them upon a wasp. I would have bet a million dollars you didn't do that. Like, I'm not sure you did it to this moment. No, I did. I mean, guys, you've been hearing his stories with his kid. If I would have said, I bet, you know what I bet just out of the blue that he drops his kids on a wasp as he's screaming, no! What would you think the odds were? One in a thousand at best. Does this seem normal? Does this seem like a normal course of events to you? That you won't say that you were locked in the same house with your son for two months. You had one moment of consternation. <laughs> well, it was a reaction to the fact he's exactly. such a cupcake. It, it but, literally but he never it. just became a cupcake. He's been a cupcake from day one. Yeah, he hits a golf ball so like, why like would a you? little out of bounds. He, Daddy, I don't want to go into the rough to pick that up in the rocks. You know what's funny? If like 20 years or if like seven years from now, he's ready to go to the prom, but someone finds this tape. <laughs> and they played over the loudspeaker at school, and then his his prom date cancels, mm. and he hates you, and he never speaks to you again. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> he gives you a black and white picture of a wasp or something. Ah! <laughs> Imagine if he gets a full chest tattoo of a wasp. <laughs> he can't even wear a tux because he's, he's too uh, traumatized. And he starts a game called The Wasp. I mean, this thing, we could write a book off of this, dude. He has nightmares of drowning in a pool with wasps. <laughs> you do realize that to go from, in a way, you're, you know what's going to happen? This conversation, well, if he was, and Johnny is a smart kid. Man. I mean, really smart. But, when parents do wrong and they look back in hindsight, and often it's too easy, right? Mm-hmm. They feel like they got to support that kid in their 20s because they say, you know something? We didn't arm him for this world. And that's the fact that he's dropping out. Of, and again, when you're really smart, you can overcome some of these things. But if he had an IQ 110, the way he's being raised, whew, because he'd come back and you guys would have to be like, maybe we got to sell the house and try to help him because... I think that as a fan of the Fezzik clan, I think you f- react. Do me a favor. Ask. Don't even say it's you. Say, I've been, you know, you know, tell a few people you trust. Say, you know, I love Johnny. And he's smart. And he's a good kid. Good heart. Not real tough. And I got a friend of mine who has a kid like that. And he did this. Ah. And say, like. I don't even know what to think of it. Like, don't even, like, see it one way or the other. And they're going to tell you to a sane person, meaning anyone you talk to that's sane that has kids, are going to say, what? He went from doing nothing. Because you got to give the kid a warning. You can't fire. Like, even in a job, you can't fire someone the first time they make a mistake. They make a mistake, and you tell them, this is not Okay. You try to create a consequence, but not so bad the first time. And then there's a, a process. In, in a big company, they got it. First time you get a letter, mm. and then they show the documentation if there's ever a lawsuit. You don't go from a kid saying, no matter what you say, son, I'm going to just hug you and snuggle, to physically dropping him on 
the animal he most fears. How, when was this? Just last week in the pool. How's he been since? He's fine. Fine is not he's, good. He's good. <laughs> no, he's good. I mean, how many kids do you got, Matt? Three. What, take a minute and explain to me how crazy this is. Uh, to be honest, it's not that crazy. But it, Well, it, hold on. It, I'm not saying it's that crazy that you would get frustrated with your kid and do something you don't love. Yes. You know? I'm saying if you go from never having a moment of that, where the kid doesn't know that world, your kids it, have a hellish existence. Okay. In that, cl- in that case, all I can do is agree. I can't explain it because you're absolutely right. It's 180 degrees. Well, I guess what you could explain is, is how rare, how, if I told you you had to never get mad. So let's just say during COVID, if I told you that in the two-month lockdown, you couldn't have a moment of anger against one of your kids. How crazy does that seem? That seems crazy. How long did you ever go a day without being angry at each and every kid individually? Yes. Two days? Maximum three. All right. So every third day he's having a reaction you said you didn't have once in two months. Correct? Correct. I can't even remember being angry angry at my son ever. Except when, Ever. except when you dropped him on a stinging insect. That was that a calculated fe- maneuver. No. That was not. Oh, wait a minute. You're saying you were totally calm the whole time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take. Then you're a sadist. Like here, he, how was he screaming? Did you, did, did he know? Did you say, I'm going to go drop you on that one? I did disclose. And, I, and how did he react? He's like, daddy, don't. I'm like, I said, I, I, I said, you're too much of a marshmallow, Johnny. This will help you. And how long was the walk to the, the, the wasp? Oh, like the two in- seconds later. Happened. And during those two seconds, was he screaming? No. He, was, he didn't think I was so going to do it. So he actually went into he trauma. He thought I was bluffing. And then when you released him, <laughs> could, could he see the wasp? Oh, yeah. So his head was like turned, <laughs> looking. His father has him trapped. The one person he can trust. And he's going, Daddy, no. Daddy, no. And you're, it's like... You're seeing red. You're like Michael Colleone right before he shoots the lots out. You're seeing nothing, but you want to have your son be dropped upon a deadly. Do we know he's not allergic to wasps? No, we don't. But when you dropped him, he... he I would say I threw him. Because you were afraid to get near the wasp? <laughs> no, I don't care. I don't care about the wasp. My son's afraid of fireflies. He's afraid of any like little anything like little bugs. He's afraid of them. But you got to realize that that makes it where he's less of a candidate for this kind of treatment, because this is what causes people to have real phobias. Like I don't like dogs, and you. you th- I mean, it's funny, I guess. But I was like six years old, walking. I was okay with dogs. And there was this mean dog that was in a house, and he always would be barking. And you think I'm lying? The dog busted through the window. It's like a, a nightmare because you're look, And I'm running, and I'm with my friend, and we're running. Dog catches up, bites me on my cap, my little six-year-old cap. And oh, my and God. Yeah, and I haven't liked dogs since. I mean, I was wrapped it up and was playing something in 10 minutes, but... I can still see that dog in that window. Just like little Johnny is going to... But my dad didn't hold me there to let the dog bite me. 
And my dad's a borderline evil dude. Mm. I could. I'm feeling. I'm I almost feeling, would I'm second thoughts now. I I gotta say this for people who didn't have parents that went to jail for the way they treated them. You're probably in the top five percent of like, what's the worst thing your dad ever did to you? Right? Have Have you done anything to any of your kids, Matt, that you would say it was worse than that? No, no. Hmm. So literally you went from being the parent that never, ever did anything wrong to short of going to jail, you're the worst. (laughs) And you didn't prepare your boy for it. That's the thing. You got to toughen him up one step at a time. Let's keep us updated on how he's acting. You, th- you know, actually, you think I'm kidding, and I'll, I'll say this quick and we'll move on. Any, every kid should probably go to a counselor a little bit. I mean, I'm a believer. You go to the dentist for your teeth. What's the downside, right? I'm not saying like every day or once a week. I'm saying once a year. Check in, have a talk with someone other than the parents where they can talk honestly. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about the once a year. Is that, is that not good? It's counterproductive. But there's a way to get him where he feels like he can talk to someone other. Because you only know your parents, right? You know your friends, but you're not talking about any, you know. But kids have real feelings. Yeah, and and in fact, like at night, like after we swim, Johnny's always saying, Daddy, can we talk for like five minutes before we go in? So it's kind of like our counseling session. I'll be honest. I think it's a wonderful, loving thing. I kind of feel for him having you give him advice about things other than do you talk batting though oh we don't we don't talk advice we might we've been known to talk gambling and i i'll I'll be honest i think he understands position as well as the average vegas poker player okay you mean like in hold him like the button yeah he's like you're not you're not gonna play under the gun like literally (laughs) he's like you're crazy king jack i love that well i bet he's he's gonna be a rock Oh, he'll be in that. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna have to. Yeah, because I, I got to. Maybe teach him. maybe what you need to do is like take all his money, like break into his bank account, take all his money, say that's what happens to nits, and then let him live on the street for a few weeks. But I got to teach him how to be a nit first, and then you know we, he can expand to some other. It sounds like he naturally place. is a nit. You don't have to teach yeah. him about. Yeah, becoming he's a he's, he's he's a natural. When when we're close to the bubble, like he'll watch me play like a tournament, and he'll be like, "Oh my God, you're not gonna play, Daddy. You're five off the bubble." So he's just got throw that ace queen away. So his most common emotion is fear. In that case, yeah. No, it sounds like every yeah. story you've told us, he's afraid of something. Yeah, he's he's a marshmallow. <laughs> so how would you define a nit? A nit is a guy in poker that absolutely doesn't want to gamble. He just wants to win at, with almost no risk. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I mean, if you're playing, you want to win. So every mm. poker. So what we're saying is his tolerance for risk is real low, and Nick kind of comes with like, like a, the idea of an ant. Like if imagine if your aunt or your uncle decided to play a home game of poker, and they had that. You know, there, there's a sense. Maybe I'm thinking of knitting, hmm. but when I hear knit, I think about like a someone like a 55 year old lady point out her purse to take out a 20. I always wonder how much money, because it seems like they always have a lot of money. Like women, you, you wouldn't know where it came from, but they open They Like guys, I guess the purse helps. Guys, these gay, no one carries money, except in good gamblers or gamblers I respect do. I still always want to have, I swear to God, I want to have two, 
two dimes in my pocket. They call that what? Walking around money, no, no, right? No, I, I mean, I, I sometimes I might not crack out rubber band for a week, but, you know, meaning, uh, but if, if somehow I'm down by GVR and I want to play cards, I, you know, you got your money, right? I guess it shows you who wants to really gamble and who doesn't, right? The people that leave the house with their credit card. <laughs> Let's put our MasterCard in the middle. But bringing it back, him going to a counselor anyway is probably not a bad thing for a couple weeks. Just let him have. But I swear to God, if he doesn't have a problem, meaning that he, if he doesn't feel upset, oh, that he, I would bet major money he's thought about that in the last 24 hours. Well, I'm going to ask him about it. Yeah, I'll get just, back to you. Yeah. But he'll be honest. Yeah. And I think the trick is don't make it act like, you know, don't laugh because if you come and go, ha ha, I was talking to RJ and we were right. laughing about the wall. He is going to take a cue from you and kind of laugh. Just say, you know, something I was thinking, we talk, you know, like be neutral and say, that wasp thing, I mean, what do you, uh, you know, I was going to, I was even going to color it there, but I don't think you do that. I'd say, how are you feeling about that? Yeah. And you can tell me the truth. No, there's no wrong answer. That's the way to say it. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Next week you report. Will do. Except if it's really bad, and then just say no comment. Okay. And I might be going away to <laughs> the penitentiary. I'm not. Is that breaking a law? Somewhere in the world. Yeah, it has to be. Oh come on. What would be analogous to dropping them? If you dropped them on a barking dog, you certainly there'd be a legal problem with that, right? Yeah. So. What is a what is one wasp worth? <laughs> well, I think you have to assess the probability he was going to get stung from this. Are you really capable? What percentage of what? How does chlorine affect a wasp's anger? I'll be fair. Mm -hmm. I've tried it out on myself. I've jumped on the wasp before I did them, because we always have wasps. So and I've done it four so or five times. So your response to seeing a wasp in the pool initially was you impale yourself upon it and then later you said well it's a family tradition i'm gonna bring my boy and drop him on well the i knew the this probability like, of a this stinging like was greatly reduced this sounds like a documentary of like the mountains of west virginia <laughs> black and white slow motion scene <laughs> have you ever seen the wonderful whites of west virginia episode one it was a movie oh really yeah on netflix I don't know. I've seen it. It was on Amazon when I saw it like five years ago. It's one of the greatest. I mean, I think I mentioned this. Yeah. It's a great documentary. There's a whole family of whites in a certain county in West Virginia. They're, they're, whites is their last name. And one of them is like a great jug dancer or something. There's some very niche thing. Mackenzie, throw that up on the screen, the IMDb. Oh, okay. You want to read that? Just read the first paragraph. Yeah. Read. Go ahead. The film follows the White family over the course of a year in the daily li life through the first-person interviews. The film mentions the details of the death of the patriarch Donald Ray, D. Ray White, as well as his rise to stardom as one of the most famous mountain dancers of his time. The illness of his window, Bertie May White, is documented throughout the course of the film. Locals consider Bertie May the miracle woman because of her lifelong yeah, this dedication is too, this to is, abandoned Do me children. a favor. Read the first synopsis and pull out like three interesting things when you're ready. This is great. And, and the thing that struck me was, good job being on that. It, the, what struck me was they were all on meth. 
right? So like, the, you know, you get in those communities where, and let me tell you, for someone who grew up in a small town, if you don't get out of there, you know, some people just love that life. You know, some people just want to sit on the porch, watch the ball game. They, they want it slow. Like Doc Hollywood was a good movie. It depicted like the, you know, the appeal of the small town life. But there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily inclined to the small town, but they stay out of fear, right? They don't go into a new place. If you don't go to college, you know, where you're going to go to Columbus and what? Work in the cafeteria? Just stay home. And plus, your network's back there, right? In theory, your uncle knows someone, your dad knows someone. But they're not, ha- you know, they want action. So the drug use is just through the roof. And I mean, you look in the Ozarks, you look in... I mean, through all a lot of middle America, you know, rampant. There was an HBO special on uh, this year, 15 years ago, on meth in Montana. All these out of the way places. You got it, Mackenzie? Oh, I heard something. Click. Yeah. Go ahead. So uh, shootouts, robberies, gas huffing, drug dealing, pill popping, murders, and tap dancing is what you can expect in this film. <laughs> the legendary families known for their wild, excessive, and criminal ways, as well as their famous uh, members, including Jessica White, the star of the cult classic Dancing Outlaw. Stemming from generations of coal miners working in risky job conditions, most of the White family possesses a fatalistic attitude and a yep. lack of fear of death. That's interesting. You get that, and again, this is from shows I've watched, you know, The Wire being an authentic one. There really is a sense that every, that most of the people they knew that are older than them are dead. They're 20. Hey, we're not going to make it more than a couple years. Let's live, you know, with some, you know, let's try to have something on the way out. Whereas you come from a family with tradition or, or a long lineage, you think long life makes sense, right? And, and there is that sense of, it's almost like, you know what it's like, actually? I never made this connection. There's a great Michael Mann movie. It was his first, I think, called Thief. Michael Mann is who directed Heat, which is a great movie with Pacino and De Niro. A great movie. Have you seen Thief, Matt? No, I haven't. And James Caan, Sonny Colleone, is in Thief. And he goes to prison off screen, so it was like before the movie. But when he came out, he said, I don't, you know, his way to deal with it was, I don't care. I don't give a care. And you think about it, if you truly don't give a care, you're the strongest mofo around. You afraid of getting your eye poked out in a fight? No, I don't give a care. If you genuinely don't, you've lost everything in a way. There's nothing you care about. Like, if you have a kid, you're going to care, right? They may come after the kid. Remember the movie Usual Suspects with Kaiser Sose? The, the uh, legend was he shot his kids because they, they oh, were wow. threatening his kids. He said, oh, you think that's going to stop me? Boom. Now, did he care about his kids? Yeah. But he wasn't going to let them hold them. He, just let the worst happen now. Now what? Now, obviously, that's a movie. It's a depiction. But if society systemically ripped everything that mattered or anything that you could cherish from you and you raise an environment where there's generations of that mentality it's going to make sense that you're going to have that mentality there was a lot of it where i grew up it was like governments against you people's against you know every you know outsiders are against this the illuminati 
Who knows what they're doing? The who? <laughs> you, you've never heard of the Illuminati? Never. Wikipedia? No. But uh, <laughs> MK Ultra. The um, it, it's it's a gen, it's almost generic, but it's a sense of there's this secret cabal of. I'm not sure cabal is the right word because that has a Jewish inclination, right? Is now is Illuminati supposed to have a Jewish tinge tinge to it? I think it's German Catholic, isn't it? Uh, the Bavarian Illuminati was originally its name, so German, yeah. Ah. Huh. But it's one of those, like, there's a secret society running the world oh, okay. kind of thing. And the real power, the president doesn't have power. Mm. He has to go to some committee to make decisions, you know. And, like, David Lynch movies depicted that very interesting. There's the, always the guy on the end of the phone making the call, telling the characters what to do but you never see the guy. There's some force, which is what the, you know, not that I'm an authority, but with the Greeks and the whole idea of the gods, the idea was there was a power beyond, you know, it's randomness really, I think, but you, you got to try to rationalize it. All right. So we've figured out you probably, it's probably going to minimum cost 50,000 of when he's older of psychiatric help. (laughs) <laughs> honestly i am so interested to see can we get johnny in for an interview i don't think so why Mama's very protective so let's think about this for a second i mean we're in the off season we're not getting our nfl numbers but there there would be hundreds of thousands of people listening imagine how many in general if i went to you know, 10 parents I knew had a kid that age and said, you know, well, what, what are you going to talk about? That would be an natural question. Listen, here's the questions I'm going to ask, and I will not say a word other than these questions. Right? So it's not like I'm going to like somehow say, does your dad go around in his underwear? You know, like, all right. So it'd be just that he'd get to come to a TV, you know, effectively now a TV studio. We'll have some great stuff coming out soon with that. And... And by the way, I can't say the name, had a great call today with a big podcast player. If this deal goes through, my, uh, my ambitions for this podcast network are going to take a great step forward. Matt was in on the call. How would you characterize it, Matt? Very strong, very positive were you impressed at the way that those power brokers were treating me? I was impressed at the way you were treating them and the way they were responding. It was all good. Well, you mean that I was like alpha male on them and they were sub- submissive? <laughs> it was a, a rational, mature conversation. With who in the lead? You. Always, baby. <laughs> I would be fascinated if someone was like taking the lead in a conversation. Like I, I'll sit back and let people... But if I wanted to be in the lead and they wanted to be and somehow I wasn't, I might go jump out a window. Like I wouldn't know how to handle it because I've never faced (laughs) that. I don't think who I mean, you would think the person that could do it's in the media, right? Yeah, you got to have some communication. I guess maybe lawyer. There's some great lawyers. But who in the who would be Mackenzie? You have a high regard for my debate skills. Yep. If you had to, if you were getting a ten thousand dollar free roll, if someone beat me, who would you put against me? 
Uh, nobody in the sports media world, for sure. I'm not asking who you wouldn't put. I might, I might go, and maybe just because we were talking about him, he's on my mind. Just for the speed of his talking, I think Joe Scarborough could get some words in. Oh, you are high. <laughs> Joe Scarborough, it would be, he might actually, you know how there's certain movie actresses, as they get older, they retire from public life? <laughs> he might retire from public life. He, he doesn't have the engine for this. No. He can't even out-debate the people on his own little show. Well, it's not a little show. It's a big show. All right, so really what you're saying is there's no one. We're going to shoot in the dark because there's no one. Exactly. Who am I afraid of? I'll tell you this. Clay Travis is a good debater. I mean, I'd be fine, but let's get, you know, whatever you think of his political beliefs or whatever, I, I think he's good as a debater, as a, you know, he's a, he trained as a lawyer. And that's the thing. If you're arguing in front of a judge, it helps. Anyone jump out at you, Fess? Nobody. Hmm. So I'm the best. All I can say is... I'm the best. You know what I'm saying? We trust you. What's up? We're on them, baby. Here we go. Tuition paid. Pre-game, I used to win almost all the debates I got involved with. That's like, I, I just envision like a bunch of basketball players who are like 300 pounds and 5'6 playing. <laughs> and Fez comes in and he's 5'11 and he's 230 pounds and he's just, he's like Shaq. I'm crushing the D-League baby of debaters. I am just dominating. I'm like, come on, call me up to the big leagues. Careful what you wish for, kid. Will you ask your wife if we can talk to Johnny with pre-submitted questions, and she can be there? I'll ask her, but I am not. No, let's not. Add, let's not open that can of worms. But you promise to come back and give us a report on next the on, on yes on the wasp yeah. uh, treatment. Do me, and, do me a favor, though. Want me to videotape it? No. Okay. I can't believe you even said it. But what I was, you're gonna want to apologize? Don't. Okay. Because he might not be feeling this. And if you give him a cue that he should be upset, he'll be upset. I can tell you, he, he is not feeling it. You but, don't know But that. I'm not certain. You're you, right. You don't know. You think you know what a kid's thinking? That's the whole point, right? You never know. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying if, it, if he does need an apology, if he needs something, have someone help you through it, right? Don't just throw it at him. Right. But you do see in hindsight, last thing on this, you do see in hindsight that you had pen out. You're like the dude whose wife is just, and I'm not talking about your wife, but beating on him mentally. Come on, honey, get that. I can't believe you didn't have the car warmed up yet. You know, that nonstop crap. And finally, he's just like, yes, yes, yeah. And finally, she, you know, there's blood. Let's just say that. I mean, guys, people blow. It, it, you blew. It happens because Johnny's always flashing me his cards and gin rummy. And I'm like, don't show your cards. Don't show your cards. Don't so show your cards. So you're mad that he's going to lose and, money. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying, like, I'm telling him like eight times. I'm like, come on, Johnny. I'm asking one thing. You can play terrible. Don't show me your cards. So, th- so this is the example of the other time you were mad at him? I wasn't mad. I was just <laughs> like, come on. It's going to make a sexy scar. He'll remember it at least. Sometimes politics get big enough, the political stuff, that you can't, it, you can't keep it from sports. It's, it's just part of the fabric. And by listening and reading and watching, I want to hear what I believe that other people aren't saying. Because to hear the same thing again, 
Eh, no great value in that. We're a show at 6 Eastern, and that means we get the benefit. We, we, we have the disadvantage of not being able to react first. 6 a.m., imagine getting up. Steve Fezzik, he's in studio with us. Would you want to get up at 4.30 a.m. just for the chance to have that first take 6 a.m.? No, I'll let you do that. <laughs> so we're 12 hours later, and that means we don't get to react initially, but we get to react to the reactions. And that's something we're trying to do here, and not so much react to them, but say, huh, what hasn't been said? And Jonas Knox, by the way, on a well-deserved two-day vacation, I think it is. Wednesday's back. I think he's saying, you know, I think RJ's been doing this for a year and a half. He's ready for a big day by himself. <laughs> so I appreciate Jonas having the faith. Fez, you're, you're going to pick up any slack, perhaps? Probably not. Not with the, yeah. But yeah. Listen, you know what you don't know. I appreciate it. I mean, in general, does Fez make money? That's his political leanings. But sometimes it's not about that. And maybe that's the first point. When isn't it about that for organizations that are organized as a company? Meaning, if I said to you, Steve, what is the charter? What is the mission of the Pittsburgh Steelers as an organization on a business level? What's your answer? Well, number one, you got to make money. You got to treat. Well, first off, I think number one is maybe the end of it. Hmm. Right. Meaning that if you ask any company really to say, unless you make it part of your charter and that, that happens, right? If you watch Billions episode last night, they were starting a sub um, fund within Axe Capital that was called an impact fund, meaning its purpose is to make money, but to have a positive, in their opinion, impact. Now, you can invest in that. Knowing that that's the charter, that that's the mission, and then they should they have total freedom to do that. But if you invest in company XYZ, let's say Apple, and you're investing a million dollars, and then Apple starts making decisions which are economically bad for them because of political reasons, you're going to have a lot of investors that are mad. Now, do they have a right to be mad? I think the question becomes, what is the level of agreement within the company? Because imagine that you work for a company, and let's say it was 60-40, whatever the political conversation is. It can be life and death. It can be anywhere in between. And it's 60-40 to the one side. Now, does the company then start to lose money over the 60 because then the theory is, wait a minute, 40% of the people that have an ownership stake in a way, the employees, they have skin in the game, disagree with this. So they're going to suffer financially and in theory for the opposite of what they believe. And it's important to remember the greatest blowouts in history when it comes to presidential elections. So Obama in 2008 crushed McCain. It was less than 55%. It was like 55, 45, and it was crushed. That's a great stat. So, in jo- I'm not sure. I mean, like Lyndon Johnson in 64 was the, that, well, Reagan in 84, all under 60%. 
I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas. So in general, if it's a debatable point, you're not going to have more than 60% on one side, just the way politics are in the United States and really for a long time, but even more so today. Now I can hear people saying, I can hear it, but RJ, life and death, killing someone that doesn't deserve it, that's not debatable. And I think that segues to my second point. We have so much more agreement in this country than it seems. And I can tell you from personal experience, I grew up mm, 500 yards from West Virginia on the Ohio River, on the Ohio side, and I graduated high school in 1988. So think about this, coal miners, mill workers, very ethnic, Italians, Irish, and not a ton of minorities. And I talked to a lot of, of my friends' dads, you know, just over the years. Some of these people you would put at the top of the list of like, hmm, got some racism there. I mean, just small town back then, no doubt. And again, I'm not saying it's not the case today. It's just I can speak to that. And in general, they even... Now, listen, you're always going to have the fringe in, on both sides, always. And some are going to say, hey, I don't care life. Or, you know, and let's put them into the fringe and say the following. Even with the dads in 1988, if you would have said, should someone who did nothing wrong be killed? Doesn't matter, you know, skin color, you pick it. They're going to say sincerely after a couple beers, no one's listening, no one's recording. They're going to say, no, no way. I believe in this country, it's far past 90% of people, and it could be 99 plus, but let's just say a vast, vast majority are going to say the same thing. Should someone who did nothing wrong, now people say nothing wrong, let's debate that. No, let's keep it simple, at least for the beginning. They're going to say, no way should someone who did nothing wrong George Floyd, and I haven't read everything, but I think it's clear to say nothing. And maybe he, he didn't, never had a ticket in his life. I don't, you know, that, to that degree of like judging his path, that's not what it's about. It's, it's on tape what happened. And you'd have to be, I think, pretty crazy to say he deserved to die. So if we agree that it was a tragic and uh, undeserved end for George Floyd, I think that you'd get vast agreement. Yeah, and I think n upwards of 99%. Yeah, or more, right? Yes. But, it, but it doesn't even matter, meaning it matters, but for this conversation, it's a vast majority. Now, on the other hand, if you said, and let's look at something else I think that we can agree with, Most people want good things for other Americans. So we can say, hey, we don't want someone dying unfairly, getting killed unfairly. But we also don't, we also want good things. Hey, that guy, yellow, green, blue, black, he works hard. We want him to have his reward. I, I really believe that that American dream 
is something that that in many cases crosses most people's vision of race or, or perspective of race. Now, I know that doesn't answer all the questions. And if you actually started running down the questions, it can be like literally you have some of the brightest minds in the country. One on one side, one on the other with you know, in we can say, you know, systemic racism, maybe the cops aren't or a vast majority aren't doing the killing, but are they looking the other way? And you could look at the three other cops here and say, that's an interesting and that's not the right word for it. That is an important debate. And there might be massive disagreement there. Fine. But let's carve out what we agree on. I think also. I'm just looking at my notes here. Yeah, I think I think that's the key when it comes to like the fairness of we I think people want things to be fair, right? And I also think on from the side of the protesters that what they would agree on is the idea that all cops are not bad. Right. In fact, I heard a lot. And again, this is anecdotal, but some people who went down to protest in Vegas saying to me, you know, something we felt a little bad about it. It's like, why? And they said, well, on one hand, nationally, this tragedy, we, we had to speak out. But in Nevada or specifically Vegas, especially after the Manley Bay, the cops have been really. I'd say approval ratings in Vegas as high as I remember. They did a lot collectively, a lot of real loving things to the for the community after the shootings, during the shootings, and in a way that uh, that dis that that tug and pull of we got to go speak out against this because it was so wrong, but we don't want to indict with a, a broad brush all of the police officers. I think most people that were out protesting, marching, would say the same thing. I don't know if that number is 99% with the cops. I don't know if it's, you know, I'm pretty sure it's over 90 or good cops, and it might be 99 plus. None of that changes that one bad cop is a really bad thing, and none of it changes that one stone cold racist is a really bad thing. But most of us, understand the cops are trying their best most of the time most of the cops and that most people believe that fairness for anyone in the world really but we all have our concentric circles of interest right it starts with yourself then if you have kids and you're you know a loving parent that kid's right there with you in that inner circle and then you got your family you got your friends wherever everyone's got their different circles and if we said, hey, would you rather an American die or someone from Yugoslavia, if there was even a Yugoslavia anymore, I think it makes sense. We're going to say, you know, America first and not that political phrase, but the idea of, you know, it's one of us, just like our family over a stranger, even if he's an American so, or he or she. So to me, in general, most people are not evil. Cops, protesters whatever now here's the challenge 
RJ Bell straight out of Vegas, trying to talk about some things not being discussed as much when it comes to the events of the last week or so in the country. I think that the nature of politics is a perpetual debate. Now, you can make the case that it's been, it's turned into a spectator sport to whatever degree, and I'm talking about politics from A to Z, not this last week, but it's like following, when I watch shows on all the networks, it feels like I'm watching Sports Center or a TV rep, you know, TV on sports. Who's winning? Who's losing? The horse races. Oh, that was a big loss for so and so. That was a big win. And that's the way we understand stories: winners, losers. And I, do you blame the networks for this? You can, but it's back to the profit motive. Most people are good, and most companies are built to make money. And we can lament all, you know, that they shouldn't, there are certain things that should transcend dollars and cents. Would you have worked with Nazis in, you know, in uh, concentration camp type things? No, that's, you're right. That's what makes this so tough. If there was uh, cops that were going down the street mowing people down with machine guns, finances or not, and again, there wouldn't be financial consequences, really, because 99.99999 would say that's wrong. When the consequences start for the companies is when a significant percentage of the people who spend money with them disagree with your political stance. Well, what stances are disagreed with? The ones that aren't obvious. And I totally get that if you're on one side, you could say, it's so obvious here. And if you're on the other, you could say that. And obviously, the side of the protesters saying, should this person have been killed, that's obvious. Well, what league is coming out saying, you know, we're not sure. The cop might have been right. No one's saying that. It's the stuff that's further down the road, as in systemic racism. Um, are cops complicit? Is the media complicit? It, you know, you hear as you keep going to the fringes, conversation about reparations from hundreds of years ago. And again, I'm not saying that's even a fringe concept, but you're moving away from the center. I mean, all the way to the idea that every white person, and this is by some smart academics, no white person is not racist, that they all are, because they have no idea what it is to be black or another race that is oppressed. And how could you really empathize if you haven't walked a mile in their mm -hmm. shoes? That you're going to have far more than 30, 40% disagree with, and you're going to have someone agree. But if we, I guess the, the main point here is it's hard to win the game, quote unquote, of politics by conceding, you know, we agree generally. Let's now we're on the outside. Let's figure out this last ten percent. Maybe we'll split it down the middle. It's, it's it's that's not the game. You know, people don't get paid for news programs. Don't make money for that. So it kind of makes sense that we're so adversarial. And most of the time, I think it's okay, left and right, and in between. But when it's things like this that make us feel so separated. So in disagreement, 
when we're really not. I mean, Fez, I, I, I mean, I know we all only have our own experiences and I know there's exceptions, but I just don't think if you asked a hundred people, do you, you know, is over 10% of the people, you know, wanting innocent people to get killed. I, I just don't, you know, I don't even believe it's close to 10%. No, I think the vast majority of the population follows the whole Good Samaritan and wishes their neighbors. Oh, hold on. Let's all go crazy. They'd much ra- they'd rather make 10 bucks than the neighbors make 10,000. But they want. But uh, Good Samaritans do. Let's not go over. You're in Pollyannaville. All right. We're trying. I mean, we can have a greeting card discussion about this. But that's not what we're doing. There's, but that's a valid disagreement, right? Or at least you can understand it. But to me, when agreement's so important to get things done, let's embrace the part of the disagreement or the part of the agreement that's true and then put the energies towards the other part. But because of the news programs and their profit motive and just debate 101 is you don't concede a bunch of points. If someone says they're going to give you, I mean, listen, I will say this from the other side. As quickly as the prosecutors got a, a murder three charge on, you don't, you don't see those charges like that typically within that short period of time. It's usually going to be significantly longer. I think that Minnesota, hopefully they didn't rush. I don't want to say rush to judgment because obviously that's an OJ echo, but hopefully they got it right because it'd be horrible if they rushed for the perception and, and, and charged wrong. I don't think, you know, hopefully not. I don't think so. But you didn't hear, how many times did you hear how great it was that it was such a quick charging? No, it was murder three. What about murder one? Mm-hmm. And if it would have been murder one, some people would have said, what about capital punishment? We should make sure the death, and no matter what, it's just instinct to want more because let's be candid. These are life in death debates, decisions. And I don't blame people for that, but if you're not in that game, if you're not an activist, you're not professional politician, then I think it's on us to say, yeah, you guys can fight that. That's your job. Our job is to try to see where we agree. I think there's a lot of places we agree here, a lot more than it seems. No doubt. A couple more topics, but... Kaepernick has come up a good bit. It's like, see, he was prescient. See, and to me, Kaepernick is the heart of the conflict. And here's what I mean. You could make the case that what Kaepernick was protesting, in fact, I don't think you're making the case. Clearly, what Kaepernick was protesting is connected to police violence against minorities, against blacks, connected to what happened to George Floyd. So on one hand, if you're a supporter of Kaepernick, you could say, see, everyone acted like it was frivolous or didn't matter, but it's life and death. And that's the question. What is it today that seems reasonable to disagree on from a reasonable person? Not saying if you're one that had strong opinions on either side, those things can be a direct line to future things that we all agree on. And think about this. This is the problem. This is what needs to be solved. Kaepernick, far more than 40% of people, I'm not sure 
I think in the NFL, I'd say far more than half, or not far more, more than half were against Kaepernick, I'd say, from the fans' perspective, because it's a more conservative fan base. So, But let's say it was 50-50. So if half the people thought Kaepernick shouldn't have brought that stuff to the game itself, but almost all of those people who disagree with Kaepernick would say it's a, it's, it's a tragedy, it was wrong for George Floyd to get killed. That's the conflict. What are the things now that should be clear on either side, but they're still debatable? If we could see that, then the people that are good enough in their heart to not question that it was a tragedy with George Floyd would, would agree with the thing that caused it, to agree to stop it, agree to not be in favor of it. But it's never so obvious. Or if it is, it's not a problem. We all agree, or most of us. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we can feel great that we all agree on, or almost all, on the big stuff. And that is underreported. It's not dramatic, but it's important. But we disagree on things that could be that important. It's just we don't all see it. What does that mean? It means we need to be talking in a productive way, not like it's a debate, Raiders versus Steelers, or not like that drama and conflict makes money. Because, yeah, people have to do that if that's their business. But we're not, I'm not making any money from MSNBC or Fox Sports, or a little bit from Fox Sports, but (laughs) from Fox News. I'm not. So I would rather they do what's best for the country. But they're going to do what's best for their companies. And that's the way companies are. I think the NFL is in the most difficult business spot. More of a conservative fan base. And these are things in dispute. It's not, again, anyone can put out and it's genuine. This is a tragedy. This is wrong. But now the question is, now what? And the NBA, I think in general, they can go further without getting the fans riled up because they have a a more progressive fan base. So, if anything, LeBron took a lot of heat with the China drama and the China questions and Hong Kong. And now, in the same way, in a way, it's not the same because of life and death, but you could say economically, there is life and death, even if it's not obvious But Hong Kong was protesting. China was adamant, don't get involved. Daryl Morey got involved. Mm. And there's still conflict with the NBA in China. Like they're not showing games. I mean, or they hadn't been showing games. Now, who's to say, and I'm not saying this sarcastically at all, if LeBron would have spoken out, who else would have spoken out? And maybe Hong Kong wouldn't have had the aggression against that country or that Sovereignty or whatever the terminology is these days wouldn't have happened. So now they're under communist rule. Who's to blame? How many deaths will there be there? It's a tough game to play, meaning projecting everything out. The only thing to me that's egregious, if you're being genuine, is if you just refuse to see what's obvious. You can, you can make up a bunch of stuff to say, oh, maybe, you know, that cop, and again, this is made up, fringe, 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 that cop had to face so much trouble, 
that, you know, he made a mistake, but it's understandable. That's not what 99 plus percent of people believe, but you could say it. To me, when you start defending your side of the debate beyond reason, when there's life and death at stake, that I find egregious. Not being able to see around the bend and know what the consequences are of everything, I think it's best that we all see clearly. I think it's best we all do the right thing always. But here's my question. There were Go back to Kaepernick. 32 NFL teams had a chance to sign Kaepernick every year since he has been out, you know, out of San Francisco. They could have re-signed him. Do we believe that all 32 owners are stone-cold racist? Or all 32 said, huh, he's not really an elite starter anymore, and he does cause a lot of drama. Drama is either hurts us at the box office, might hurt us in TV ratings, might hurt us with just the distraction of the news conferences a backup quarterback's going to have. Now, if you say, but is that worth lives? No. But that connection isn't clear to most people or to a lot of people. And I think most of the NFL fans didn't see it. So if you see it, then talk in the most persuasive way you can to everyone you can. And let's hope, you know, I'm not one to act like I know anything about being a black man, a black woman. I'm white. I'm Italian. My grandfather told me a lot of stories about, you know, what, you know, prejudice he went through. I can't even, I don't think he understood. It's a whole different thing because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of prejudice everywhere. And people might say it's worse in this country. Listen, if you look at the way that the diversity, when it comes to just raw population in this country, I'm not talking about diversity of culture and all that. I'm saying just how many blacks, how many Asians, how many Jewish, however you're going to break it down, census style, Hispanics. We've got this country so much diversity. And you look at France, you look at Germany, as there's been some uh, unfamiliar people enter their country in the last 10 years, a lot of trouble. Not saying we're all that much better, though I think we probably are. At least we got more, as a country, more experience dealing with the diversity, which is a good thing. But I think to say that Americans are worse overall is wrong. And I think to say people are all that good in their hearts is probably right. But the way I would say probably is, is all that good. I don't think, I think they're not going to do the horrible things, most of them. But then it becomes about self-interest. Could we all think about our neighbors more? Like in Fez's fantasy world that he was talking about? The greeting card world? Yeah, it'd be nice. But let's stay with realism. And this will be the last thing I say on it. I don't believe everyone from 200 years ago, 100 years ago, when there were good people, like some of the famous people of the year. If you read everything Abraham Lincoln said about slavery pre-1860, it's things that would literally disqualify him from job. Forget being president. That Those words wouldn't allow him to get a job in any public job sphere. And to me... 
I don't think Abraham Lincoln was a bad guy. In fact, by most accounts, the greatest president we've had. I think that they're a product of their times. And it's hard to judge because we didn't walk a mile in their shoes. And you know what? I've never walked a mile where if a cop pulls me over, I am just intrinsically worried about my life. And so for me to say, oh, they're overreacting, that group or this group, mm -mm. I'm going to say I can only share my perspective, but I'm going to be sympathetic that there's other perspectives, ones that actually have more intimate familiarity with what we're talking about. I'm not going to tell a woman about things that I have no idea about, right? And, you know, that, that segues into the whole debate about abortion and all that. We'll leave that one. But what, what I know is if we all try our best to be good, but reasonable, let's not go crazy because it's never going to work. We're not all going to care about our neighbor as much as us. If we try to do the best we got in our hearts and we try to respect the other's perspective and acknowledge when we agree, things would be a lot better off, I believe. Very well said. Well, I don't know. I, I, I know this. It's what I believe. And that's all I can do. I believe the following. To whatever degree that Monday was unusual, as in, well, you know, it's a sports show, but you got to talk about this because it's such a big deal. It's so unusual. And the fact that we did for more than half the show, we agreed with that. Producers, everything. It was like, yeah, this is noteworthy. It needs talked about. Whatever side you're on. I think today is more unusual. You might say, what do you mean? It's like, if you would have told me how many times in the next 10 years will there be unrest that you know starts midweek doesn't matter if it's left or right that's not happy it's none of that it's saying in this political system democracy republic united states has how unusual is x or y that it would then get into a sports show where it would get in you know it's almost like what sporting events get on the nightly news it, it's a high bar right if you would have said how many times will would have happened generally happen in the next 10 years and then say how many times will what happened yesterday Monday throughout the day and the night happen I would say what happened Monday was less likely it will be less common I hope that this kind of unrest never happens again but history tells us that's unrealistic to think so and that's lamentable but it just is and we look square in the eye of truth here because if you don't do that you can't win at gambling and that's just in our blood even when we apply it to other things i'm rj bell we are straight out of vegas and the reason is this the weekend's the weekend and people got more free time the i mean the reality is unless you're one of the true true believers if you're going to go down to a protest you're thinking can i get a babysitter you know, can I, you know, what's the alternative? Now, listen, there's certain people that's going to be there no matter what, right? And those are the true believers and, you know, like the Occupy Wall Street. They were living there. They believed so much. The kind of crowds you saw over the weekend were weekend crowds. And then four, five days going into the sixth day, the idea that it, 
didn't lose momentum, but if anything, escalated in a way. I mean, if you just, and I didn't do the mathematics on this, but if you look at the, you know, in Vegas, there were two police officers shot. And I don't think there was, again, this is Vegas, and I know there were others shot throughout, and obviously protesters have been injured or shootings. I'm, I'm not sure if there's been cops shooting protesters in any given situation. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I don't have it. All I know is generally as an observer, Monday surprised me that it still continued with such fervor after a weekend. And that, if anything, the amount of violence seems to have escalated. I think it's important to note that because the shows on Monday were wall-to-wall, this, not ours anymore, than, probably a little less than most, but all the shows seem to be pretty much wall-to-wall. The idea that today it wasn't so much, it, I think today is a tougher conversation. And I want to keep it super narrow because I've been thinking about this a lot. And I don't say this much about things that are not sports betting related. I think I got an important point to make here. I think I usually have smart points, Fez, would you say? Always. No, not always. always. 99.9% maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I mean, come on. I'm not saying always, but yeah. <laughs> That's Steve Fezzik. People, I've been listening to the debate. I've been listening to both sides. And what we talked about yesterday was that mostly people, as much as we don't want to hear this if you're passionate about your side, listen. You know, people mostly agree about the big things. And as we talked about yesterday, almost everyone agrees that an innocent person should not be killed. People might say, hey, if he was passing a counterfeit 20, he got what he deserved. No, no. That's the fringe. That is the crazy, you know, way out there. I'm not talking 10% on the edge. I'm talking one-tenth or, one, you know, whatever. It's way out there. Now, those that are misanthropic, not lovers of people, skeptics of people's goodness might say, oh, no, that's higher. Okay, what number is it? It's not one out of 20, so it's 95 plus percent. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum whatever the political question is. And in this case, that position would be from the left, the progressive side. Most people believe that most cops are good. They don't, most people on the left don't think that a majority of the cops are looking around for chances to kill people for fun or out of hate. They might say more cops have hate in their heart than they think and, and bias in their heart. Yeah, that's all debatable. But on the fringe, normal people don't want average America flyover people. They don't want people unfairly killed. And progressives don't think that all the cops are all a killing gang. That's a lot of agreement. As we said yesterday, for reasons such as posturing politically, the whole if you act like you're contented, you don't get more negotiation 101 stuff is you don't concede points you don't give anyone credit and that's the funny thing 
when I think about what disturbs me most or makes me the most pessimistic about us growing as a society or improving as a society, Fez, when you and I are debating a point, and let's say there's a point, I'll give you an example. You believe NFL teams tank. Just year after year, you'll enter the season. I, I mean, you can do it like clockwork. Is you hear Fez go, <clears throat> you might even say something like, Here's a theory uh, for you to disregard <laughs> completely. Uh. And then you'll say, I think the Miami Dolphins are tanking this year. How could they not be? They lose 59 to 10 and then, what, 43 to nothing after well, you two said weeks? This before the season. But after, and after week two, I doubled down and I said, RJ, I don't know if Dolphins are going to win a game. And what does RJ always say? RJ says, these, that NFL, is- these are professionals. They got pride. Now, exactly. here's the point of this. Fez, I think you've come around a little bit towards me. Wherever you were before, you're more towards me now Absolutely. on that topic. Absolutely. The only exception might well, be yeah, yeah, it's it rare and far between. It doesn't Don't even matter. matter. You came from where you were to closer to me. Now, I have two ways to approach that. One is to say, well, he's weakening. <laughs> so I'm going to make him feel even worse. I'm going to try to demonize. I'm going to make him feel worse for whatever remnants of this belief that I disagree with he still has or I can say huh the hardest mile is that first mile to open up your mind that maybe your basic premises are wrong and the fact that you're shuffling this way is a heck of a statement that you're keeping an open mind and that means that we're having a true dialogue let's keep it going I got to tell you when I've seen intractable people when someone's stuck in a position when they take a half a step away from that, there should be trumpets in the background. There should be a celebration. It's not what happens in the political system in this country, in the political debate. What happens is everyone believes their position is God's. You know, it's like Dylan has a song with God on our side and saying we can win. You know, it was written in the 60s and it was like, hey, we fought WW1 with God on our side, WW2, you know, and the implication of the song was, boy, God wasn't on any of the opponent's side. Like, we, <laughs> you know, and no one thinks God's on the opponent's side, right? And maybe it's not God. Maybe it's righteousness, the arc of justice and that rainbow over the, you know, we know it arcs towards justice. Whatever your North Star is politically, you believe you're right about that. Or how, why would you have the position, Right. And thus, anyone who's less believer than you is somehow flawed intrinsically. It's a character issue. The harshest responses you will ever see politically are conservatives against what they call beta conservatives or cucks, as in they're conservative in name only, kind of rhino you hear, and Republican in name only. And then you look on the other side and a guy like Bill Maher, who is certainly towards the left. When he disagrees with the orthodoxy on the left, oh my gosh, on Twitter he gets killed. And in general, when one of your own isn't all the way in on everything, it's when people get the maddest. And that goes to show you how how in the heck is that group that's on the other end of the spectrum ever going to come in your direction, let's say you are right, whatever the conversation is, how are they going to come in your direction if the steps along the way get more painful 
right? I mean, you look at AA, let's give AA credit. As a recovery program, the 12 steps, you know, I, I've watched NYPD Blue. I've seen Sibowitz. I've watched a lot of shows. I, don't, I haven't read books on it. I don't know it deeply, but I do know there's a huge deal about that first admission, that standing up and saying, mm. here's my name, I'm an alcoholic. And the idea that that's embraced, that, that, that you got... To me, when someone disagrees with you and they take a half a step in your direction, celebrate. means the conversation's working. And if you are moving in a direction and the other party's hitting you harder as you step towards them... I don't think most people keep going in that direction. <laughs> and a lot of people will say, well, RJ, I'll tell you why we do that. Because life itself is at stake. If this was a matter that wasn't as important, yeah, we could accommodate the slow pee, the people who aren't getting it, the ignorant. But no, life, there's been enough death. Life's at stake. And in a way, that makes you stop and say, huh. But that is 180 degrees wrong. And the reason is simple. The higher the stakes, the more you got to do whatever it takes to make progress. You see what I'm saying? The idea, if you and I are fighting over... A heads-up card game. Like you and Mackenzie from pregame.com and research are playing a heads-up card game. Thousand bucks, right? It's like over yep. a couple of weeks. You guys, I mean, a thousand bucks, you know, it's money. I mean, you just shrug like, no, it's real money. But for you, it's no big deal. And you know what? It makes a ton of sense. You're going to be like throwing chips. You're going to be having fun. Because what? Because the stakes aren't high. If you were playing for a million dollars... It'd be totally different. Exactly, because then the money would be what mattered. Now it's the bragging rights that matter. Yeah, it's it's the it's winning the debate, and in a way, the politicians, even the true believers, are usually the ones that get a lot of heat because Obama disappointed a lot of the left because the theory was he didn't do enough. And the point of this is this: when the stakes are as high as life and death. And it's on both sides. The abortion argument for the right is they consider to be about life and death. And obviously, this debate with social justice and the police and violence, life and death. The idea that the, no politician that's ever effective ever makes the true believers happy. Why? Because they have to compromise along the way. Why do they compromise? Because the stakes are so high. So to close on this, if you really think about it, close your eyes unless you're driving and say, I want to think where I'm at on this political discussion with the cops, minorities, all that, and think, where am I at and where is an opponent of mine? It might be President Trump. It might be whomever. Right? Think of who you think is your nemesis in this regard. And then say, how do we bridge this distance? And what I'm sure of is hating the other one's not going to help that. You might say, you can't negotiate with terrorists. You can't. Okay, fine. Then accept you're going to be in this. Like, there's been wars. There's been disagreements, religious disagreements that's gone on for hundreds of years. Just go to the Middle East. Take a look. All right? So, yeah, if you want to accept it's going to be like that forever, 
But if you don't want to accept that, how do you get... It might be that person coming all the way to you. That might be what you think. Okay, fine. Even that, how does it happen? And what I know for sure is you're not going to get it all at once. And you might say, well, I can't accept death. Death is not... Well, if you have to choose between a certain number of deaths or half as many, do you say, no, we'll take them all? And I get it. These are tough decisions. That's why protesters don't make decisions like this. It's the people at the top. It's the elected officials. But the tenor set by the people on the ground matters. And I'm not saying care about it any less. In fact, I think if you really think about it, if you care about it as much as you show, you would be more careful about creating an environment that lets progress happen. Because it's easy to demonize. I don't care which side. I'm not talking about either side. It's easy to demonize. It's harder to say, you know something? You're not just flawed. You have your perspective. You have your experience. You haven't walked in my shoes. And I'm not saying you have to agree with them when you don't agree. I'm saying understand the stakes are high enough that trying to find a way to get closer, doesn't matter who's moving to whom, any of that should be supported and it should be really your goal because the day that your opponent's going to stand up and go you know i've been wrong the whole time 120 percent. i want to apologize to you that i've been so wrong it's not going to happen